approaching the, um, the end of the book of Revelation and some glorious things are happening. And um, as in the book of Revelation, um, the, the pattern has been there's an announcement from heaven and then the action takes place. Well, what we have here at the end is a long announcement in uh, chapters 18 uh, and 19, and, but the action is going to come pretty soon here. But uh, one of the things that's happening here, um, beginning at verse 6, is, is this idea of, of a great celebration that's going to come at the end of, of this present age. And uh, as believers, we look forward to this great and wonderful celebration. Everything so far that, that we've read seems like it's judgment upon judgment upon judgment. And the fall of Babylon, it kind of makes God seem like a wrathful, vengeful person. What we have to understand is, is that for the relationship with God, the eternal God who made all things to be restored, in, in its fullness, evil must be swept away. And so we look forward to this great celebration that Revelation 19 talks about here. Read with me in verse, beginning at verse 6 here in Revelation 19. It says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask God that you would add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. When I think about the great multitude, I think about all these stadiums that, that hold uh, um, fans of, of these football games. And I think back to looking at the Super Bowl and see, seeing these stands with um, hundreds of 100,000 spectators. And most of these uh, big Superdomes, they call them, or, or Super Bowl uh, stadiums, that, that they'll carry you know, hundreds of 100,000 people. And not only that, you've got, you've got uh, people at home in various places, millions of people viewing um, the Super Bowl. And in 2015 was probably the height of that when the Patriots um, went up against the Seahawks. Um, it had the largest viewing audience in the history of, of the Super Bowl. And it was about 114.4 million people. That's about a third of the population of the United States. Millions of people. And you watch it on the big screen and you see all these people shouting and celebrating the Super Bowl and, and just, uh, you know, cheering wildly and, and uh, pray, you know, uh, supporting their team and praising their team and, and cheering them on. And, and you think about, wow, what, what, a, what a thunderous applause. 
Uh, and, I, and I always thought, what, 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 wouldn't it be so cool to go to the Super Bowl? But then I think about that crowd, and I'm like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> but, but, the, but, but, but the feeling that goes around Super Bowl, the, these great crowds and, 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 and these people cheering are nothing compared to what's about to come for the people of God who remain faithful to Him. The fall of Babylon the Great and the, and the victory of Christ is announced before the battle takes place. But also the great celebration, the victory celebration, is, is talked about here before, before it takes place. And, it, and it's now announced before Christ comes into the world, before he, become, before he comes into time and space to set up his kingdom. And I believe that this is given us for us today to begin to anticipate this glorious and great time that, that God has prepared for us, for those who have remained faithful to God, for those of us who, who are saints of God. And by saints, I don't mean a person who is super holy. The word saint just has to do with God setting us apart for salvation. Anyone who looks to Jesus for salvation, truly from their hearts, and they become Christians, so to speak, through believing in Christ, you are a saint of God. It doesn't necessarily mean people who have no sin whatsoever. A saint is someone who has confessed Jesus Christ as their Savior and their salvation from sin. And, and, and those who are saints will get to celebrate with Him at the end of, of, of history after evil has been overturned and wiped out. And it's described here as a marriage celebration. You know, the theme of marriage um, goes on throughout you know, the whole Bible. I mean, one of the very first celebrations in the Bible was a marriage. I don't know if you realize that. One of the first celebrations in the Bible was a marriage. When God presented Eve to Adam, and uh, Adam said, Whoa, man! <laughs> This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. The first wedding celebration. And I think it's appropriate that, that, that the first celebration involved a wedding. The coming together of, of two people. And, and that was God's plan all along um, for society. Not, not, not just the, the fact that, that, that a man and a woman come together for marriage in, in order to... Um, you know, to have intimacy and, and to repopulate the earth. But, but, but the idea of people coming together at all in unity is, is, is what that, that represents. And the ultimate unity, of course, is, is the marriage between a man and a woman. And, and for us to go on today, like um, marriage is, is just a, a secular um, right that people should have, um, God, in His Word, sets up marriage as something that is sacred. Something that, that, that is very important. To, to understand humanity and, and God's desired relationship with humanity, He gave us the metaphor of marriage. It's not just about procreation, so to speak. But it's about unity. It, it's about oneness. It's about coming together. Shared intimacy, a oneness that, that um, has a, a bond of, of love and a friendship um, behind it. Not just romance, although 
although between a man and a woman, romance happens in a marriage. And, and, and the sad thing is romance has become the primary thing about marriage, and it's not. It's important. I'm not, I'm not denying that. But the, but the whole idea is about giving up yourself and, 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 and your spouse giving up them, him or herself coming to you, you know. It's about committing your lives to one another. And one of the reasons you do it in a church instead of a courtroom um, is because you're doing it before God Himself and before the church. The vows you take are before God and His church. And there's nothing more holy than either of those things. But at the end of history, the metaphor that, that is used here is the marriage supper of the Lamb. The saints of God coming into the, the glorious kingdom to become one with Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. The great celebration of the marriage supper of the Lamb. And this is going to be the largest celebration ever in the history of the world because it involves the saints of the past, the present, and, and, and the future. The, the, one, the ones who become saints all the way up until when Jesus comes back. The multitude crying out, Hallelujah! Praise be to Yahweh. Yahweh Yah is, is the shortened form of the name of Yahweh here. Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage supper of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. A great celebration that, that, that we cannot even fathom, that, that, that no um, large sporting event or Super Bowl can, can even begin to capture, or any kind of celebration you, you might think of, the one at the end of history will be greater than even all of those, and it will be a joyous time. And we'll come to understand who God really is, the one who rewards those who love Him, and he, and he is the loving God who made all things. His, his, his intention for the world from the very beginning is fulfilled at the end. And the end is really a new beginning for, for the people that God created. For the people who recognized Him and, and, and committed themselves to Him and, and, and rejected the world's rebellion of God and accepted God into their hearts and followed Him faithfully throughout history they're going to come together in, in a great and wonderful time. And, and that, that separation that existed between um, humanity and God is done away with. And, and it's just like a, a bride coming into her wedding day. The wedding celebration. I mean, the, the wedding imagery is all throughout the Bible. And Jesus used it uh, several times when he was talking about uh, the nature of the kingdom of God and what's going to happen when it comes. He talks about uh, the, the parable of the ten virgins. Uh, they, they were like the, um, the bridesmaids, so to speak, and they were um, supposed to be ready any day for the bridegroom to come and to lead them uh, to the wedding celebration. Um, the problem was um, not all of the virgins were ready to go. <laughs> That they didn't have their, their oil lamps ready. They didn't have the wicks trimmed. They didn't have the oil in the lamps like they were supposed to. And they, they were left behind. And the ones who were ready 
um, followed him to the wedding celebration. Marriage imagery was all through. In fact, um, idolatry in the Old Testament <clears throat> was often called adultery. Because idolatry is unfaithfulness to God. It, it's like adultery in marriage, being unfaithful to your spouse, to the one that, that you're wedded to, that you're in union with. Marriage imagery is all through the Old Testament, and, it, and, and it's meant to describe the relationship between us and God. The union between God and His people is supposed to be this glorious and wonderful thing. And, and at the end of history... At the consummation of all things, God's people will be consummated with Jesus Christ in, in, in a glorious eternal future that, that nothing can taint anymore, nothing can destroy, nothing can pull apart. God in His goodness and His brilliance and His glory, His, his love, in, in, in a kingdom of, of peace, where there is no more oppression, where there is no more war, where there is no more strife, where there is no more conflict, where there is no more sickness and sorrow and pain. That's what the believer looks forward to in Jesus Christ. This is what they look forward to. And the reaction to this, first and foremost, is their worship. Entering into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let us rejoice and give Him the glory, verse 7 says, for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. The reaction to, to this idea of the marriage supper of the Lamb, of, of being reunited with, with God through, through Jesus Christ, and having this union with Him, is, is the basis of Christian worship. Some people, I, I think, um, have the wrong idea um, it, we, we think of, of worship as being just about God's glory, that He's the one who deserves worship um, because, because he, he made all things and that uh, you know, his, his, he, he is glorious. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that. But I think that's the only reason because God is glory um, or, or, or has glory. Um, it, it's sort of like the, this idea that, okay, well, I'm only going to worship God because He's famous. I'm only going to worship God because, because He is... Uh, you know, big and powerful. And don't get me wrong, God does have glory. Don't get me wrong, God, God is the creator, but that's only part of the story. We give God glory because, and, and, and we worship Him because one day He is going to bring an end to all this, this evil and strife in the world and his, He's going to usher in this new and glorious kingdom where He has this union of love between Him and His people. We have a modicum of that union now when we confess Jesus Christ as our Savior and we, 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 we surrender our lives to Him and He gives us the Holy Spirit which is the one that we commune with today as believers as a deposit, He says, that looks forward to guaranteeing our salvation. We have, we have a modicum of, of that kind of intimacy with God through the Holy Spirit in the here and now, in, in, in the midst of our pain and, and sorrow and suffering, that helps us to know God, that helps us to realize that, that, that God loves us, that helps us to understand that God does care for us. We, we, we have that um, uh, intimacy in, in a small way even now. 
But even that's not going to compare to what happens at, at the end of history. Where God already knows us and knows everything about us, at the end of history, we're, we're going to know God in greater and higher ways. And no doesn't just mean head knowledge. It means relational knowledge, intimate knowledge. God wants to restore that with His people. He had that kind of communion with Adam and Eve in the garden at the beginning of history. But God gave them a choice at that time to choose or reject Him, to, to follow or rebel against Him. And, 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 and they chose to, to do things on their own because they listened to the deceptive voice of the devil and, 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 and fell away from that, that fellowship with God that they had, that close intimacy with Him. But all of history has been God trying to redeem humanity from that fallen condition. To help humanity to understand that, look, this is what life without me looks like. You chose this. Uh, you cho you're choosing to live in this way. Um, th th there's a corruption that's happened within human hearts so that all have fallen away from God and are in this condition. But only I can bring you out of it if you'll but trust me. And, and the, way, the way that he, he, he did that was, was for himself to come down as a human being to show us the way, to show us who God really was, to show us his purity, his love, his compassion. And then not only that, to suffer and die in order to satisfy God's justice because God is a good God and, and, and he is a good and loving God. But if God allowed evil and suffering to continue on forever, He wouldn't be a very good God. But He takes that, that suffering, that curse of sin and death, onto Himself through the Son, Jesus Christ, suffering and died on behalf of people, and rose again to new life so that we could have this glorious future to come. And so that we, we, even in this life, we could have a modicum of it, a, a little bit of it, a little bit of idea of what heaven is. Because He deposited the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. And that Spirit is the one who, who makes us righteous. Yes, in, in, when God from heaven declares us to, to be saved people, he, he declares us to be righteous because of our faith. But after, after He declares us righteous because of our faith, He gives us the Holy Spirit who is making us righteous and preparing us for that glorious day when we will meet Him. And that's what it talks about here. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. They, the, the bride has prepared um, itself with, with, with fine linen, bright and pure. Why? Because they have that righteousness within them that comes from God in, into their own souls and then they have the righteous deeds that come out um, because of that. Because, because we were given that fine linen to put on, that righteousness to put on. Not, not just covering our sins, but, but within us, making us pure before God. Because we received that and, and believe in that. We, we, are being made, we are made pure and are being made pure. And, and in that sense... We, we, we're preparing ourselves for the big wedding day. 
the, the white dress at, at, that women often wear in, in traditional marriage um, is not just about virginity. It's about purity. It's about, it's about what it says right here in the book of Revelation. That, 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 that the church presents itself as, as a pure person before the Lord and, be, and before her um, husband. So much of, of, of what we, we see about marriage has, has just been destroyed and, and, and defamed by uh, public sentiment, by, by, by cultural um, rejection of, of, of God and His ways. The, the secularization of society. The state controls marriage, so to speak, and the state can determine who can marry and who can't. Well, it's never been that way. And if we want to see human society really go forward as it should, we need to start affirming the family unit again because it is the basic unit of society. And when it's destroyed, um, the very foundations of society are gone. But even more than that, you know, it's, it's a sacred union. And the church has always been in charge of that sacred union. And God's plan is one man for one and one woman for, one, for life. And yes, I know that we live in a sinful world, and I, and I know that, that in marriage it takes two to tango, and if one person doesn't want to stay in the marriage, you know, I understand that, that divorce happens and has to happen. Even the Apostle Paul says, you know, if, 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 you're, if you become a believer and, and your spouse is an unbeliever, and that spouse wants to stay in the marriage, then, then stay. But if they don't want to stay, then let them go. The Apostle Paul says that. And I, and, I, and I think that it, it's a sad truth that, that, we, that we live in an, in an age where we have uh, disposable marriages and we have a no-fault divorce because we've lost the understanding of what marriage is really all about and how sacred it is and how it is um, a symbol that looks forward to our union again with God in Christ. And, and, and we should, should weep over how marriage is treated today. That's a side note. It's not the main point. <laughs> but the main point is, is that, that as believers, we have something great and wonderful to look forward to. A great celebration. A marriage supper of the Lamb where we can worship God. And, and, and the reaction should be this, this, this joyous worship, this glorious hope. We don't need to be downcast um, believers, because the foundations of, of, of Christianity are being um, ripped out of our society. We have something to look forward to, and, that, that's, and that's what we need to proclaim. We need to proclaim salvation in Jesus Christ. We need to proclaim His coming kingdom. We, we, we need to proclaim the great marriage supper of the land that's going to happen at the end, at the end of history. And, 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 and we need to, to, to spread that message to others. So the things that, that we, we, we need to be doing as, as believers, first, first of all, is to realize that, that our worship is, is an anticipation of being in an in intimate um, union again with God. We have somewhat of that with the Holy Spirit, like I said, 
being poured out into our hearts and lives through, through uh, the sacrifice, the cross that, that Jesus bore for us. We, we, we can have that, that, that relationship with God even now in the midst of this world if, if, if we but surrender ourselves to it. But we have something even greater to look forward to <clears throat> on that final day when, when Christ comes. We'll be with Him forever and ever in His kingdom of love and bliss. And so we worship. And, and you know, worship isn't so much about the tune. It's about an attitude of the heart. It's about looking to Him. You know, so often we, we get hung up on contemporary or traditional worship and those kinds of things. And, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul says, worship Him with um, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I mean, he, he runs the gamut there. You know, the Psalms are from, you know, the Old Testament Psalms that, that David and, and, and the others wrote. Um, then he's talking about hymns that, that, that have, you know, poetic hymns that, 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 that have been written. And then spiritual songs are just choruses that come from the heart, so to speak. I mean, you, you can define those in that way. You know, there, there wasn't just one form of, of worship. It, even in the early church, there were many different forms. Whatever it is, we, we do it from the heart. We do it with, great, with gladness, realizing that in our worship, we are participating um, with the saints down through history and looking forward to that great day when we're all reunited with Him. And that should change our view of worship. The, the whole idea of, of worship is, is about our future reunion with God. Not just about His glory, although that, that, that's important. But it's about anticipation of what's to come. And the other way that, that, that we do show our worship of God in reaction to this idea that, that we're going to be celebrating with Him in the future, this great and glorious future, the other way that we worship is service. Because in the New Testament, the, the words worship and service are intimately tied together. And, and in the Old Testament too, but, but those two things are, are tied together. A lot of times we worship God through our service to others. By showing our care for others. By showing our love to others. And not just those who are in the church, but, but those who are without the, outside the church. That, that, those who are part of the faith and, the, and those who are not part of the faith. We, we show them the, the love that we have. I think that idea of, of, of this worship of God and, 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 and this renewed intimacy with Him um, helps us to understand, too, that Jesus' two greatest commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, that's worship. And then love your neighbor as yourself, that's how we um, worship in the world. You know, we, we serve other people as God would have us serve them. We live that worship in ourselves, in our hearts, by serving other people. And we need to try to encourage that more and more in our church, that the, the service to others, um, both within and without the church. And of course, the greatest thing, as, as the, the angel is telling um, uh, John here about, about all this, and, he, and John is seeing all this, he tells them, you know, you hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. And the, the spirit of pro and, and the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
In other words, it, it, it's the thing that, that inspires this whole thing this angel is telling him. This whole thing that's being revealed to John is about the testimony of Jesus Christ. It is the basis of what's happening here. It's not, it's not about the Antichrist. It's not about the end of the world, necessarily, or, or not primarily. It's not primarily about the, the things that are to come. It's not primarily about uh, the demonic battles that, that we'll see happening. Or, or it's, not, it's not about just the judgments that come. But it's about Jesus Christ coming into his kingdom again in glory and in power. The only one who, who is deserving of all these things. The one who sacrificed himself for us. All history is moving towards him. None will be able to escape him when he comes. And it's best for us to be on the winning team. <laughs> we need to look forward to that day with anticipation. We, we need to, you know, if, if you don't read anything in Revelation, if it, if it scares you, then just read the passages on worship in Revelation. If you want to, you can skip to the end <laughs> and, and, and see what happens in, in chapters you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, if you want to. But especially, look at those worship passages and think about those things. Don't look at the book of Revelation with fear because it is about Jesus Christ coming again to reunite the people of the world with Himself in a great and glorious future in a glorious union. And I hope that, that that's your hope today. I hope that, that that's your desire today. To see Him high and lifted up. Let's sing.